Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. We have heard the good word. It certainly looks like Joel Embiid is going to be back in a 76ers uniform pretty soon. Joel catches it with his back to the basket, physical goes it, and hammers it. Oh, man, what a play. Embiid rested, raring to go. The big fella was certainly making an MVP case before his injury. Can he still make a final push in the home stretch of the season? He pirouettes in the paint and lays it in. Joel Embiid with power and finesse. All on one play. But maybe even most important, how have the Sixers benefited from learning how to win without him? I'm Devon Givens. I'm Lauren Rosen. And I'm Brian Seltzer. On this week's Friday Deep Dive, the impending return of Joel Embiid. Guys, all signs pointing to the big man coming back. And I will be honest and frank with you. When it first happened against the Washington Wizards, my initial reaction was... Not V good. (laughs) I was a little bit concerned. It was great to see him walk off under his own power. Then the news that came out a few days later that it was only a relatively minor issue. So I'm just grateful that we're in a spot that we're talking about Joel Embiid. All signs pointing to him coming back on a basketball court for this season. Well, what we know for sure is that they're all going to be thrilled to have him back whenever he can come back and that they're proud of what they've been able to do in his absence. Three and two on the road trip to start, three quality wins, that win that was the night before the road trip started at home. They really made the most of what looked like it could be a pretty treacherous week and a half or two weeks away from home. So I think the combination of coming home and potentially having Joel be waiting for them at home is is really exciting to this group. And of course, Doc Rivers has expressed that he gets daily updates about Joel Embiid's progress, that things have been going well as he's ramped up on-court activities. And we'll have to see exactly how ramped up those activities have been when the team is back for its back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday. So as the terrible injury athlete of the podcast that I am and having dealt with major injuries already, uh, of course, when we see something like that with a big guy like Joel Embiid is at his size and 
the way that he went down. And we've seen him go down before, but this one just looked a little different uh, where the way he went down. And uh, we're all happy. And him, first and foremost, he's happy that it wasn't the, you know, the worst that was assumed by many. And myself, you know, not being one of them, but just again, seeing it, seeing how, how he went down, seeing how his leg went, but ultimately finding out that it was later a bone bruise out for a couple of weeks. That was great. Now, the only thing with the bone bruise part, you know, like self, this is the week's version of how did it happen, is um, if, if you remember, and, and Lauren, you weren't around when I, when I almost broke my ankle, but I had a bone bruise in my ankle and I had a boot, I had a walking boot. And while I am only 5'6", and I don't weigh as close to what Joel Embiid weighs, uh, at the time, my, my, my physician did say, I wish you would have just broken your foot because it was an easier heel <laughs> than the bone. So I'm happy. I'm elated that things have worked out the way that Embiid's injury has and the recovery and the Sixers get him back for the stretch run of the second half of the season while they worry about the seeding and, of course, the playoffs in the very, very, very near future. And for the uninitiated out there, D, you are recovering ACL patients Almost a year yes. now, a little bit more than a year? Uh, a little even? more than a year, almost two years. How about that? The pandemic just threw things off. So it was May of 19, late May of 19, and surgery in June. And of course, I was rolling along. I had a little setback where I had some, some uh, knee scrape that had to go in there and some scar tissue on my knee. I was also a little meniscus tear as well. So you, you know how we often talk about these things and, and how things play out. And we never really know what the injuries are, but now I know. So bone bruise and ACL tear that I did suffer, a full tear, by the way, complete tear, that, yeah, you know, I did, I did fear a little bit when I saw him go down the way he did because mine, was, while it was contact, it wasn't anything that I did. Someone ran into my knee. And the same thing with Embiid and how his knee buckled the way that it did, hyperextension, so that was great. And uh, just happy that that he's good. And yes, I, I should be able to play ball soon. So Joel and I will be back out there on the floor. Last time I was out there on the floor with them was with Furkan Korkmaz. He and I had a shootout. So that was it. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous. You know, there are no locker rooms in the traditional sense this season. There are only Zoom rooms. And Lauren, you're in all of them with the 76ers when they speak. Why don't you bring us up to speed on what we know at this point in time about Joel Embiid, what Doc has said he's been up to, and how the Sixers feel he's doing. Well, I remember when we went into the break, we looked at the games that were going to follow that came right out after the break, the stretch that the Sixers are now, let's say, halfway through that terrible 20 days on the road out of 23 days it's a really tough strength of schedule these first few weeks back. And I think that if you had told us that we were going to see the Sixers come out 500 halfway through that tough stretch, I think we'd feel pretty darn good about it. Maybe even with Joel Embiid in the fold, considering how much they were playing on the road. So for them to have gone over 500, still jockeying for that first seed, seed in the East in Joel's absence, I think is really impressive. And I don't think enough people are talking about it. Obviously, a couple tough losses there on the road that sort of tarnished the thing that they had going. But when you zoom out and look at what they've done since the break, especially without Joel, I think it's been very impressive. Do I think if there's any guy in the league, for better or worse, who knows how to return from an injury, it's Joel Embiid. And I probably should have looked up games of note for Joel coming back off of injury absences. But the first one that actually comes to mind was the game against Detroit last year. 
at the center right before the shutdown. When he came back, he didn't play during the West Coast trip, and he went out there against the Pistons and had a fantastic game. Embiid, compliments of Milton, and how about Joel Embiid showing no signs of rust after the five-game absence, 30-12 and 12 for him in his return. He's a guy who's been through this before, and incredibly, it seems like more often than not, at least for what my gut is telling me, it seems like he really doesn't show that much rust. Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing. No rust. He, he typically comes back and has a, a big performance. So maybe that's something that we can prepare ourselves for when he does finally get back on the floor, whether it's this weekend or uh, starting next week. He he definitely goes out there and shows that he's ready to go. If I know Joel Embiid, like you two do as well, and the listeners, the viewers, is that he's been wanting to get back out there on the floor. So he's chomping at the bit. And if it is against Minnesota and and Carl Anthony Towns, or if it is against Jonas Valanciunas and the Memphis Grizzlies, he definitely performs well against them. So I think that uh, where the team is right now, definitely keeping their head way above water since in his absence. And now with him coming back, he he's ready to go. And I expect a big performance from him. And may, whether there's minute restrictions or not, when he's out there, you know he's going to try to show that hey, this injury may have shut me down for a little bit, but it didn't change who I am. And that is, of course, still him understanding what's going on around the NBA, that I am still the MVP of this NBA. We're going to get into that, whether or not Joel Embiid still has as good of an MVP chance as he did before the injury, and also exactly what his return means. But before we go too far down that path, I wanted to ask you guys, how do you think the Sixers have fared in his absence? And I, in his absence, I'm taking that post-All-Star break in its totality because he had to miss the first game back due to health and safety protocols. Um, he played only 20 minutes against the Wizards, then went down with the knee injury. So I'm looking at this whole post-All-Star break stretch without Joel Embiid essentially as evaluating how we think, quote-unquote, uh, they fared. Lauren, how do you think they've done with Adam? Well, I remember when we went into the break, we looked at the games that were going to follow that came right out after the break, the stretch that the Sixers are now, let's say, halfway through that terrible 20 days on the road out of 23 days. It's a really tough strength of schedule these first few weeks back. And I think that if you had told us that we were going to see the Sixers come out 500 halfway through that tough stretch, I think we'd feel pretty darn good about it. Maybe even with Joel Embiid in the fold, considering how much they were playing on the road. So for them to have gone over 500, still jockeying for that first seed seed in the East in Joel's absence, I think is really impressive. And I don't think enough people are talking about it. Obviously, a couple tough losses there on the road that sort of tarnished the thing that they had going. But when you zoom out and look at what they've done since the break, especially without Joel, I think it's been very impressive. I mean, D, they're eight and three. Eight and three is eight and three. That's a pretty darn good 11-game stretch. Uh, no question about it. Uh, going into it, as you guys pointed out, you just looked at it and you say, okay, number one, we're looking at the six-game road trip. That's going to be tough in and of itself. But then for him to go down and have to deal with everything before you even hit the road and, and, and trek out west, they were winning. They were doing it in different ways, different styles, and you had different people standing up with the top performances from Shake Milton to Furkan Korkmaz, Tony Bradley, who's now moved on. But thank you, Tony, for all the great work that you did. Dwight Howard and the usual suspects in Tobias Harris and, and Ben Simmons as well, not to exclude Danny Green and Seth Curry. But they did this as a team. This was a complete team effort into making sure that, again, they kept their heads way above water in his absence with the best player being out. 
and and maintaining that that number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn has a half game up on the 76ers in the standings, but that's pretty darn good considering that you just talked about. So it's an eight and three record. And Lauren, you're talking about splitting, you know, 500 on this six game road trip with the four out West. And while you have had some things go your way with Golden State and, and Los Angeles Lakers missing their two best players in Steph Curry and LeBron James, sometimes that, that happens. And that's just the nature of the schedule and how things play out in, a, in an NBA season. So where they are right now, to be in the position that they have been in without Joel Embiid, eight and three Celts, as you pointed out, that's tremendous. I mean, this guy's been great. So for them to play the way that they've been playing without him, it, it, it works for me. This one works for me. Now, when he comes back and you have these, if, if he does come back over the weekend, you have the two games at home, then you have to go back on the road for another four. Then we'll start another, you know, next six or next 10 that we look at in there and, and how we evaluate how we want them to play over the next few weeks as we prepare for mid-May and start of the playoffs. When you look at that eight and three stretch without Joel Embiid on the whole, there are a few things that stood out to me. One, I think there's some guys who elevated their level of play from what we saw before the All-Star break, and we've talked about this. Tobias Harris has maintained an excellent level of play. He's averaging 22 points per game since the break. Uh, but then there's also guys like Danny Green. I think at the start of the road trip, the game against the Knicks, the game actually before that against the Kings, Golden State, a big late shot. Then obviously his 28-point performance against the Lakers, really helpful to the Sixers. Matisse Thibel doing a little bit more offensively, knocking down some shots. Furkan Korkmaz scoring at a higher percentage. A good game here and there from Shake Milton. Dwight Howard, yes, he's been ejected twice, but also dominating the glass, helping the Sixers do something on the rebounding side of things in the absence of Joel Embiid. The Sixers, I think they've made their shots. They're the seventh best three-point shooting team since the All-Star break. But the biggest thing is, and this was something that Doc Rivers was hoping to be part of the team's identity going back to the beginning of the season and what he thinks will ultimately help win them a title. I think Daryl Morey would say the same thing too. They're playing great defense. They're the number one rated defensive team in the league since the All-Star break. Doing that without their anchor, Joel Embiid. And I think that is such a huge reason and really encouraging to see that they haven't really dropped off with the exception of save the Denver game on that end of the floor without him. And it speaks to the improvement that the players around that anchor have shown on the defensive end. Well, I guess the stretch of playing without him, uh, other guys have found, kind of found their niche a little bit. You know, when he's off the floor, I think we'll have a better idea what to run. Obviously, you know, having him in makes our second unit deeper. Uh, so that will help as well. We talk about Ben Simmons on defense. We talk about Matisse Thibel on defense. I don't know if we talk enough about how good Tobias Harris has gotten on that end, about how good Danny Green remains on the defensive end. We've seen good stuff from Seth, from Furcon. These guys really have stepped up on defense. I shouldn't forget Dwight Howard, of course, when you list defenders that are that are showing some of their best stuff over the last couple of weeks. But without Joel Embiid, someone had to pick up the slack on defense, and we've seen Lots of players pick up that slack in a level that's maybe even higher than it was prior to the break. So defense on this team, offenses beware when Joel comes back if you're not already a little bit scared of what this team can offer on that end. It's supposed to be the calling card for how they win this season, and they've kept it going. And once again, they've done it in a different way. You've seen a lot of more help. Switching has been there. Of course, meeting at the rim with Dwight Howard, a few blocks that stand out, like the before he was ejected, the Montrez Harrell one against the Los Angeles Lakers. That that one's highlighted, and a few others. Julius Randle. Julius Randle's block, yeah, absolutely. So 
this is uh this has been a, a really good and i just keep stressing it just a team effort on how they got this one done not just with the eight and three record overall but just making sure that they clamp down defensively and just be those dogs out there that you need without that that guy who's going to protect the paint the way that Joel Embiid has where he's talked about often as the one of the best two-way players in the NBA so I like what they've done uh, Dan Burke deserves a lot of credit of course on the defensive side of how he's changed things around a little bit with the team uh, minus Joel Embiid so they have to keep that going in order to get to where they want to go now we segue and sooner rather than later Joel Embiid figures to be back in a 76ers uniform, doing a little bit of a reset. Let's just show some hands here. I will report the tally because this is an audio medium, of course. Show of hands, Joel Embiid MVP before he went down to injury? Yep. Yep. All right. So that's a clean sweep. All three of us felt like Joel Embiid was the MVP of the league before his injury. Um, What each of you can pick maybe one thing stood out the most to you. What did you like the most about the way he was playing before he went down. Oh man. What didn't I like about the way he was playing before he went down? I think to me it's probably the best I think answer. I might have to <laughs> to take a page out of of Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons book here, just the mentality that Joel has brought because I don't know that he necessarily has played that much better objectively. I think he's done it for longer on a more consistent basis and that's what's making him so dominant and that's just the commitment that he made earlier in the season or prior to the season to dominate on a nightly basis for as many minutes as he's out there his teammates have noticed his teammates appreciate him for it so to me it has to just be that that sustained intensity we're used to seeing moments of greatness from Joel Embiid we've seen multiple games of sustained greatness from Joel Embiid and that's what was so exciting for me to watch in that first half of the season for me, it was the decisiveness uh, on the offensive end, where uh, oftentimes, even with Tobias Harris, where Doc Rivers has spoken about making the decision very quick. Not only was that for Tobias Harris, it was also in beat, especially when those double teams came on the low block. He wasn't indecisive. He made up his mind very quickly, whether it was faced up, back to the basket, getting rid of the basketball, repost, get the ball back and go to work. He had an idea. He had a plan. And it worked. And that's why many have talked about him and him, him and you know him included, where he would say, I just want to be dominant. He always talked about it. And after a while, it was old, just go out there and be dominant. And that's exactly what he did because he was decisive with what he wanted to do with the basketball. He knew that his opponent, uh, his opponent was going to suffer and it would ultimately help the team with the overall success. So that was it for me, decisiveness. And everything just as we talked about the defense and what it does, everything from the offensive end just went right back down the other end of the floor and just helped out right there because he knew confident wise, confidence wise that he he knew who he was. He knew what type of player he was, and he knew no one can do anything with him on either end of the floor. You want to come down here and get this work? Come on down. You want to bring the ball in here and get it and get it blocked? Come on through. And and that's what I loved about what we saw from him in the first half, which what had me uh, choose him as the first half of the season went on. I didn't have him there first, but his level of play just kept going, kept going and kept going. And that's why I had him as the MVP in the first half of the season. And it was so much fun seeing him rise to the occasion, especially in high profile games and see that narrative pick up, particularly 
on a national level. There was that string of nationally televised games right before the All-Star break where you heard the crew on TNT and ESPN start mentioning and really pushing the idea of Joel and recognizing just how great he had been during the first half of the season and referencing him as an MVP candidate, which I thought was totally well-deserved. This award is going to go to Joel Embiid, who's averaging 30 and 11. It's not plain and simple. For me, it would be Joel Embiid. Embiid himself is raring to go. If he is able to get back to action on Saturday, what does that do to the MVP race? Well, I think it brings the MVP race back to where it should be, right? You want guys to be healthy. My Agree with both of you guys. Just the holistic essence surrounding Embiid in the first half of the season I'm terrified to make this reference because I realize I might date myself, which is really frightening. It was like the Austin Powers, where he's searching for his mojo. He's looking for the mojo. I felt last year was whatever number Austin Powers it was for Joel Embiid, where he's searching for his mojo. I think that might have been the one when Goldfinger took the mojo. I can't remember. I, I don't know if, if I'm right on that. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I love the franchise, so keep going. Yeah, it, it was like... Last year, Joel was, or maybe this offseason, it was, it was the pursuit of the mojo for Joel, and now he's got it back. He is a superpower once again, and I think to me one thing that, um, if I'm looking at tangible things that he brought to the Sixers that obviously they haven't had as much of in his absence is the threat he presented of always being able to get to the free throw line and making his shots there. It's should be the surprise of no one that the Sixers' free throws collectively made and attempted have dropped into the bottom third of the league with Joel Embiid being out. And that makes him all the more dangerous to me that you can count on him late in a game, clutch spot to get to the line, do his thing. Um, I think it's just one of the many, many critical factors that Joel Embiid brings to the table. And uh, there was no doubt that he was probably the best player in the league at the time that that he went out. Um, if he's coming back, the Sixers say, it is going to be for the long haul. I liked hearing this from Doc Rivers before one of the 76ers' recent games, that their philosophy organizationally is that they're not going to bring Joel Embiid back to play a game here, rest him there, another couple games, give him some more rest. When they bring Joel back, it's going to be for what they hope is a sustained stretch um, moving forward. And I think that if you're a fan, that's exactly what you want to hear. No doubt about it, especially as fans start to trickle back into the arena. I think they'll be thrilled to be able to get a little bit of Joel Embiid in their lives as they get a little bit more basketball in their lives. And then for fans watching at home, as we have been while the team has been on the road, it'll it'll be a pleasure to watch him continue this run if he's able to come back at full strength the way that he was prior to the break. And like you said, Seltz, all indicators say that when he does come back, it will be because he is ready and because he is prepared to meet the moment and, and to meet the upcoming series of moments, let's rather say. Um, I'm looking forward to it as a fan of his, and I know a lot of people are as well. Well, Lauren, you know that he would want to see those fans too. So it goes both ways with the interaction there. So, yeah, I, that's that's great to hear because typically we, we feel like they slow walk these things and, and get them back and allow them to get their legs, no pun intended, underneath them and and give them that necessary work to get themselves back. But there's nothing like just getting back out there and getting into a game to get back into basketball shape and get ready for the speed of the game. There's no there's there's no practice that can, uh, you know, can do anything for that. So that's great to hear. I hope that that is the plan. And if that's the case, then, you know, back to backs and everything. I'm, I'm here for it because while as good as they are or have been without him, 
they're certainly at their best when he's out there on the floor, and they are a, a treat to watch when he's out there. As we begin, guys, to bring this conversation about Joel and his return full circle, we talked about the MVP push. I think that is such a big storyline still for his season. With him not being out there, there'll be some people who debate whether or not he'll have played the requisite number of minutes or games to qualify for the MVP award. I also think, and this isn't something that, again, should catch people off guard, by him not playing, it's allowed other guys to creep into the MVP narrative, whether it's a player doing it himself, like the guy in Brooklyn, <laughs> or someone like Nikola Jokic, who continues to go out there and very workmanlike put together a terrific season. Do we think Joel can get back in the MVP conversation? Did he ever really leave? I think he can get back into the conversation. I do think that, I mean, according to the the people that make the rankings, he did leave during this time um, to get healthy. Um, I think it's interesting that LeBron James hasn't left the conversation out for a similar amount of time. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I'm sure Joel doesn't know what's going on there. I'm sure Joel will want to be back in the conversation. So I look forward to seeing him play himself back into the conversation. I would be surprised if he did not. I believe he will play himself back into the conversation. And I also think it makes for a great conversation because when we look at what uh, all NBA centers are going to be, it's always in the last couple of years, Jokic, Embiid, and Gobert, right? So when we talk about that, and however they finagle things with Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns too, but it's really those three guys. And while Embiid has been injured before that, it was the sixth game, so he qualified technically, and he was the leader for all of us. He was solely there. And now, again, if he puts up the numbers and he comes back and they maintain where they are, he's, he's certainly going to be in the conversation. As great as James Harden has been in Brooklyn, it's kind of tough because of the way he handled things with Houston. Do you want to reward something like that? Even though he's doing, he's playing phenomenal basketball. But he is. as as a as a purist of the game, you know, whether, wherever he ended up, it, just the way that it went, it, it wasn't great. And I, I think we forgot two Celts, the one guy in Portland who is often left out. Guilty, guilty as charged. He's been amazing. <laughs> He's been fantastic. And then the guy in Milwaukee, who you don't maybe not want to mention it, but they're still right there in the thick of things in the East. And his numbers are great again. And typically guys don't win three consecutive MVPs, but race. And I can't wait to see how Embiid now responds to all of this with people maybe changing their minds. Uh, if he's the MVP or not. I mean, James Harden's already come out and said that, oh, I am the MVP. So there you go, right? There you go. Well, the Sixers now have the best uh, sales pitchman, if you will, <laughs> and Daryl Morey when it comes to who should be the MVP, right, Lauren? You, t- you talked to him recently, so hey. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling we, we all know where his loyalties are going to lie on this one. But I do agree. I think the lack of games is something that either voters are going to be able to get mm-hmm. past or they're not. And if they don't, I think you have to understand that based on some phenomenal seasons other players have had in recent history with injury absences. Um, but I do think that Joel has 
has come out all season with something to prove. And it's never been that he's the MVP. It's about winning a championship. It's about winning defensive player of the year. I think those are the things that are going to continue to drive him. And if he can get back at least into the conversation for MVP, I think that's an accomplishment when you consider the fact that he did have to miss quite a few games to even still be a part of the conversation is a big deal. If he is forgotten in his own mind, I would love that going into the postseason. Okay, you forgot. Now let me show you. Let me make up for those 15 games that I missed with this run that I'm going to make through the, through the Eastern Conference playoffs. Let me make up for it, and then you'll have that. So that's, that's my thinking there. Along with Tobias Harris, right, for the All-Star <laughs> thing. Yes. I was going to say it's been a successful business model for LeBron James, who's pretty consistently overlooked for MVP and then consistently finds himself in sure. the finals as a not necessarily as a result, but those things tend to happen with him and, and he's made quite a living off of it. I like it. I do think it's going to make for great chatter on your show, Devon on 97, five, certainly on the local level. Mm-hmm. Can Joel Embiid get back in the thick of the hunt for the MVP national level? You know, all the talk shows first take up first, first, this, then that, whatever it is, they're all going to be talking about it. <laughs> Um, But I think the biggest storyline is, will the 76ers be able to take this stretch that they've had for a couple weeks without Joel Embiid, during which they've gone on a really nice clip, and apply that to his return and ultimately emerge as a more cohesive, well-rounded team? They, at some point, have George Hill coming into the mix, you would think, some point sooner rather than later. So do we think the Sixers, at the end of the day, could be in some ways better for having had to play a stretch without Joel Embiid and figure some things out without him. I think they would say that they are. I think they've been saying that all along. When you when you listen to their media post-game win or loss, they've talked about how much they've learned in his absence, how guys have stepped up across the roster, whether it's a Tobias taking over in the fourth quarter or a Furkan forcing overtime. These are, these are experiences that have been really valuable for guys across the roster and, and to have been eight and three throughout the experience that was looked at on the outset as an opportunity to learn more than anything is, is a huge accomplishment. And hopefully they'll take some of those lessons with them and add an MVP candidate to the pot and, and create something really cool. There's always something to learn from it, uh, and, and unfortunately, you don't want to, but there, there is that case. Look, there may be games where he gets in foul trouble, and how do we respond to him missing some time where we don't want to you know, lose ground in the first half or same thing in the second half, and they can just go back to what they did during the time that he missed during these 11 games, maybe 12 games here. So I think it's something that they can definitely learn from. Lauren just mentioned it. They've spoken about it themselves. And I think the coaches as well, seeing how they can maybe tweak things as well when he is not in the game. So sure, you can take from it. And that's why we keep saying this is a, 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 why you have an MVP candidate. This is a team first and foremost. Well put. Guys, always a pleasure diving deep. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Before we get out of here, some programming notes for the days ahead here on the 76ers Podcast Network on Monday, a new mailbag with myself and Lauren Rosen. No, it will not be another edition with a cat filter wearing uh, Daryl Morey, but if you have not heard last week's episode of Mailbag Monday with Lauren and Daryl Morey, 
Go into our back catalog, check it out. It is fantastic. On Tuesday, a new installment of Coat Check as we begin to wrap up the Blue Coat season with Matt Murphy. And then next Thursday, a brand new Tom's Talks with Tom McGinnis before Devon, Lauren, and I return with the Friday Deep Dive. All right. Talk to you next time. See ya. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room office kids playroom or home gym well you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant musty air for over 20 years the easy breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty damp air for cleaner drier healthier air take charge of your indoor air with your own easy breathe ventilation system you can get it installed or diy kits are available just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.